0: Good morning, church. You're looking so good. All of you. All of you, even, even you, Jordan. Every one of you. I don't, I'm, just, I'm teasing Jordan. He had, a, he had a little bit of a day yesterday. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy 2022. Are you excited to be at church on the first day that we're having service on campus? Anybody happy about that? Yeah, me too. Uh, online church is good, but man, there is just nothing like seeing your face watching you breathe uh, just being able to talk to you and the spirit you know moves you i don't know i just love community and uh i i'm glad to be back so glad to be back 2022 has already been an exciting uh year for the roses um yesterday my son jordan uh was it was around 10 30 in the morning he had gone to an appointment and was coming back and I get a call uh, from the sheriff. And, um, and the, the lady says, hey, this is Sheriff so-and-so, just wanna let you know uh, your son is okay, but he's been in a little accident. Or She actually said a big accident. Uh, he's currently with the EMS ambulance and we're at this location. If you'd like to join us, um, anyway, it was it was drizzly and foggy yesterday, in Pflugerville at least. And Jordan was driving, and he went to move over in a lane, and he hydroplaned. He ended up going off the road. His truck flipped three times, um, and then caught on fire. And the cops were driving in front of him actually, and saw it in the rearview mirror. They turned around. And came and got him out of the truck and I'm just uh, I'm grateful I'm grateful today to have a Jordan to pick on Um, God is just faithful you know what I mean he is so faithful and and that doesn't mean that circumstances always work out the way you want them to but God is just so faithful I, I see him in the good times I see him in the bad times you know our family has had our share of struggle over the past couple of years with COVID and loss and et cetera, et cetera. As all of you, I'm just grateful today that God is faithful. Amen. Amen. Father, we come before you today. I thank you so much for what you're doing in this house. Um, God, I just ask that you would help your word come alive to so many of us as we continue this series, Truth Over Trend. God, I ask that you would use me, your servant, To speak the words that you've placed on my heart, you knew exactly who was going to be here. You knew exactly who was going to be watching online. God, you know exactly what we need to hear. So, God, give us ears to hear. Let our hearts be ready to receive from you today. In Jesus' name I pray, let the church say, Amen. Now, if you're watching online, I want you to go ahead and type in the box, I'm ready or I'm focused. Or I'm staying here because I'm afraid that many of you were jamming to the worship music while you were preparing lunch and church ain't over yet. So uh, we're all still in the building. We're not moving. I'm asking you, get your Bible ready because today's going to be a a great day. I'm actually pretty excited uh, about this series. I'm also excited because today we start the 30-day shred. 30-day shred. Now, if you don't know what that is... Um, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, cover to cover. We are encouraging our church family to read the Bible cover to cover in 30 days, 30 days. Now, it's no small feat. It, it is a big commitment. It could take hours every day, uh, but uh, you can do it. And actually, there, there's no reasonable excuse not to. <laughs> okay, so I'll see you uh, on our app. If you if you want to know how to do it, I really the great thing about Carrie and I is that we don't feel bad when we do other things while it's playing in the background. So we'll listen to the audio Bible, and Carrie will get ready, and maybe that day's reading takes two hours, and so maybe we speed it up one and a half times speed or two times the speed, and it takes us an hour or two hours depending on how long it is but Carrie will be getting ready for her day or we'll be cooking dinner or we'll be driving. Like if you just, if you do it incrementally, you can do this. I'm, I'm your champion here, I'm your cheerleader, okay? Listen to me. I know that no one has an extra two hours in the day. Are you, are you here? I'm talking to you, not your neighbor. I'm talking to you. I know that you don't have an extra two hours in the day No human that has a life worth living does. I'm asking you to make time. Set it as a priority and and couple it with something else, right? So if you drive eight hours a day, this is easy for you. You can just play it while you're driving. If you cook a lot, this is easy for you. you. If you literally do nothing and just sit on the couch and daydream all day, this should be really easy for you. You just play it in the background. In fact, I have a couple of samples. I'm gonna show you what you can do if you want to. You can go to Spotify, anyone heard of Spotify? A few of you, anyone heard of YouTube? If you were to go on YouTube and type streetlights, all one word streetlights, audio Bible, you could listen to something that is cool, Chill, hit, nature. like Prologue, this. Christ, the eternal word. In the beginning, the word already existed. The word was with God. The word was God. It's he even existed some in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. You hear that music? How many of you, you can dig that. How many of you could dig that? Okay. That's streetlights. I've got another one. I don't listen to streetlights. It's good. But here's what I listen to. I listen to the dramatized version because I like to hear the different actors' voices. When it says, Mary said, I want to hear a female. You know what I mean? And so it's got actors for everything. And this is, this is easy. John, chapter one. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that... You see, that that's for the, the uh, classy folks in the house, the contemplative. You just want to sit there in your robe and listen to... The actors. All right. But I ain't got time for that. So I put it on two times the speed. John, chapter one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood. See, there... so you can do it, guys. You can do it. Okay. You've got the time. All right. All right. How many of you, by hearing one of these, have been inspired to maybe try it? Okay, good, good. There's a lot of you in the room. I'm so proud of them. Listen, it's all great. Genesis and Exodus is fun. But then you hit Leviticus. God help you on Ecclesiastes and Lamentations. There's one book of the Bible that every other word is, and that's unclean, and that's unclean, and that's unclean. If, if one of the days is drudgery, just keep it playing. Even if you've tuned it out, and you feel like a zombie, because by day three, four, five, seven, ten, some days are going to feel really hard. Hear me, I've done this before, and here's my encouragement to you. You just let it play. Just get through it. The goal is not for you to comprehend everything you're hearing. The goal is to get every word of scripture inside of you. All right. You have a spirit man who is actually bearing witness to everything you are hearing as this is playing. Even if you can't comprehend it with your mind, your spirit man is being built. Do you trust me? All right, so I want you uh, to go online. I think we've got a QR code. You can click if you want more information. I'm doing this. Carrie's doing this. My whole family is doing this. Our staff our team is doing this. I want you to do this, and I want to do it with you. And so we're using the Bible app. It's a handy little app on your phone. They have a plan. And you go to the plan section, type in 30-day shred, and that's where you can find it. Now, we get to even do this together. If you go to the church Facebook page, our social media, you'll see the direct link that I'm leading. So we get to do it together and encourage one another and know we're all on track. All right? All right. And enough about that. We'll come back. I'll check in with you on Sunday. You're going to be, on Sunday, you're going to be super excited and pumped about what the Lord has done in your life in these seven days. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Now, if you get behind, just catch up or skip a day to get back on track. Like, it, this is literally a guilt-free, shame-free environment, okay? I don't want you to not come to church next Sunday because you're not caught up. All right, I'm not going to, it's not that kind of group. We're not an accountability group. I'm not going to push you in the corner and get in your face. All right, do what you can do. We'll celebrate it all. All right, we're in a series called Truth Over Trend that I'm really quite excited about. I started it last week on video. And uh, I'm excited about today. Today, I'm just going to talk to you forbid. I'm going to finish up last week's sermon, and then I'm going to slide into next week's sermon. So you're getting two sermons in one, but only in 29 minutes today, okay? I hope. Uh, We're going to do the best that we can. Now, last week, the subject was the authority of scripture. That was the title, the authority of scripture. I, I made it my goal to prove to all of us that this is actually the word of God. This is not a historical document. This is not man's interpretation of God. This is God's revealed word to us. If you didn't hear the sermon last week, you can catch it online or scroll through our Facebook lives, whatever. But you really need to sit down, absorb it. It's a, maybe last week was a bit dry I I thought it was good as well. It's really good. We've got one in the house saying it was good. Can I get two? Okay, two or three witnesses now have said it was decent. I want you to go back and watch it because some of the most life-changing things don't get a holler, hoop, an amen, and get you to run around the room. Some of the most life-changing things are those sermons that let your roots grow really deep. And that happened last week. We're going to continue it today. All right. Last week I told you that the Word of God is inspired, inerrant, and infallible. The three I's of Scripture. It is inspired, inerrant, infallible. And there were reasons that we can trust the Bible is true. And I gave you the first reason. I won't go into today. You can watch it. It's archaeology. Archaeology. The second was preservation and reliability. Scientifically speaking, scientifically speaking, the New Testament is the most reliable document that humanity has. Based on science. And I proved that last week. Uh, the third reason that we can trust the Bible is true is extra-biblical historians. There are historians outside of the writers of Scripture that back up this story that Jesus was here. He performed miracles. He was crucified and created a stir in his resurrection. All right, so there are secular people, people who had no dog in the fight. It didn't benefit them to corroborate the story of Jesus. We have that on... Some of the most renowned historians of all time, Josephus and Tacitus, renowned historians will let us know that the Scripture is true, all right? And then I left you hanging a bit last week. I gave you the fourth point, and I didn't go into it. I want to go into it today. It is maybe one of my favorite. Uh, The reasons we know that Scripture is true is its prophetic record. Prophetic record. The Bible proves itself through its own prophetic record. Did you know that there is no other book on the planet that foretells the future like the Bible does? Did you know that? There's a book by Nostradamus. There's a book by a bunch of different cults scattered throughout time that try to predict. And sometimes, sometimes they're right, sometimes they're wrong. But the Bible has never been wrong. If you go through all the prophecies of Scripture and you look at the timeline of all the prophecies that could have come to pass, the Bible is batting 100%. 100% of those prophecies have proven to be true. Now listen, that that tells me alone that there's something to this book. Do you know what I mean? Like, Even if there was one error, one time they just kind of missed the mark a little bit, I would wonder. But the reality is there is no prophecy in Scripture that did not come to pass just like the writer said that it would. Do you need some examples? In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, I'm just going to read these off quickly to you, okay? In Isaiah seven fourteen, verse um, the prophet Isaiah prophesied 700 years before Christ. Now listen, we get a little confused because we have the luxury of reading the Bible cover to cover and seeing everything all at once in history. The Old Testament prophets didn't have the luxury of knowing about Jesus and the crucifixion and the the full story. They didn't have the story that you and I have, right? So when they prophesy something in the Old Testament and it actually is fulfilled almost word for word in the New Testament, that's kind of a big deal, right? In Isaiah 7.14, um, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would be born in the city of Bethlehem of a virgin. How many babies were born of virgins 700 years prior to Jesus? Not many. So the fact that he would even dare prophesy... Could you imagine being Isaiah and saying, Well, are you... Sh- you sure you want me to write this down? I've never seen this happen, but he did. He, 700 years before and it came to pass. Then Jeremiah 31:15, 600 years before Christ, it prophesied that infants in Bethlehem would be massacred. When Jesus was born, were infants in Bethlehem massacred? Yes, the answer is yes. It prophesied it. Hosea 11.1, 1, 722 years before Christ, prophesied that the Messiah would go down into Egypt and return. They're even prophesying about his flight path, and they got it right. Isaiah 9.1-2 is 700 years before Christ. Isaiah foretold Christ's ministry in Galilee. Galilee. Zechariah 9.9, 9, Zechariah predicted his triumphal entry into Jerusalem on a colt. Five hundred years before Christ, I think I'll write about a Messiah who comes into the city of Jerusalem. Hmm, what should he ride? Hmm, a colt. Like that is the hand of God. He only knew to write that he was inspired by the Holy Spirit because the God who has already been in the future has no problem describing to us today what's going to happen because it's already happened. He's not limited by time. Psalm 22, Psalm 22, I encourage you to read this one. This was 580 years before Christ and the psalmist David had never witnessed a crucifixion. Uh, Yet, under divine inspiration, he penned the graphic portrayal of Jesus' death. 580 years before Christ. And then Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 gives a detailed picture of the Lord's rejection, mistreatment, death, and burial. That was 700 years before Christ. In fact, did you know that Isaiah 53 is the number one chapter in the Old Testament that causes Jews to become born again and to believe in Jesus Christ? Because when they, they've been reading Isaiah 53 for years, a lot of the, the, the leaders of the Jews, the Jewish temple, um, they somewhat leave out chapter 53, but it's in their Bible. They just don't want to discuss it too much corporately in the temple. Uh, but everyone has access to it. So families had been reading Isaiah 53 forever. But then you sit down with a Jew who doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah and you sit with them and you read Isaiah 53, there's almost nothing you have to say because they can see the prophetic word of Isaiah talking word for word what Jesus is going to encounter. The prophetic record is 100% true. These are a few prophecies. There, there, are, there are many more in Scripture. I just pulled out a few to, to prove to you that we're on the right track Um, But if these don't impress us, I have a few more that are are wow factors for me. Um, In Isaiah 44 and 45, Isaiah 44 and 45, it talks about Cyrus, King Cyrus. Uh, King Cyrus was king of Persia and he conquered Babylon. It was written 700 BC, over 100 years actually before Cyrus was even born. So if you read in Isaiah 44 and 45, it talks about Cyrus, king of Persia. That was prophesied before Cyrus was even born. Before a kid was born named Cyrus who even became king, right? A lot of us would maybe just read that block of text and think it's just history, but it's not history. It's a prophetic word that's about to come to pass. Cyrus was prophesied in Scripture. All right, um, Isaiah 11 10 through 12. Let's read that together. It says, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, who shall stand as a banner to the people, for the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time. Everybody say, second time. second time. Second time to recover the remnant of his people who were left from Assyria and Egypt From Pathros and Cush, from Elam and Shinar, from Hamath and the islands of the sea, he will set up a banner for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Okay, what is this telling us? This is 500 or 700 years before Christ, right? And this is telling us that God is going to regather Israel, not once, but twice. This is a big deal because there is no other nation in the history of our planet that has been dispersed, conquered, dispersed, and regathered twice. Are you hearing me? Now, this is important because Israel is actually the guidepost for Bible prophecy. If you believe nothing else that we've talked about with archaeology, with the extra-biblical uh, historians, with any, any of the other prophecies that I've shared, just look at Israel. Israel is the size of New Jersey. New Jersey. And the Bible prophesies that it's going to be the center of our world. You, you almost can't even turn on the TV or the news without hearing something about Israel. Everyone wants a piece of Israel. Everyone wants to split Israel. Everyone wants this to happen to Israel. I mean, this is the size of new jersey and of all the wars they've had they've generally been outnumbered but they're still here they're still standing why because god prophesied that as long as the stars and the heavens and the moon are here israel will be here so somebody could go ahead and send a telegram to iran to russia to turkey and and to let them know they can try But the outcome has already been established. As long as there are stars... And by the way, there is coming a day where there will no longer be stars in the sky. And when that happens, God will create a new heaven and a new earth. Israel will last as a full nation until that time because scripture let us know it's not going down. But it will be regathered twice. Now, you're asking me, okay, how did we fulfill this prophecy? Well... Uh, the Babylons, after 70 years in Babylon, God brought them back in 586 B.C. So that's the first time Israel was regathered. 586 years before Christ, Israel was reestablished. And then he fulfilled his promise again. Somewhere around uh, 70 A.D., the year 70, uh, Israel was dispersed again. And they had been dispersed for some 2,000 years. But in 1948... God miraculously brought Israel back together, resurrected Israel again as a nation. Why? Because Scripture said it was going to happen. The extreme persecution actually under the Nazis allowed this to happen. We know that um, Nazi Germany and the Holocaust and all the turmoil that happened to the Jews... Um, on May fourteenth, nineteen 1948, because they had gone through all of that, the world was mm, a little more interested in helping them establish their homeland. So on May 14, 1948, in a single day, Great Britain released the territory. The Jewish agency declared themselves a country. And President Harry Truman decided on that day that he would announce that they were, in fact, a nation. All in a single day. Now, Isaiah 66, 8 says, Who has heard such a thing, who has seen such things? Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day, or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. This was yet again another prophecy that came to pass. Israel would be reborn in a single day. This is kind of a miracle, guys. Nations are, are built over months and years and, and terms and generations but israel in 19th, may 14th 1948 was born in one single day not because truman loved israel not because the jewish agency was so clever but because god had already spoken in his word that it would come to pass so someone would ask this question well the story is you guys want the rumor the rumor is That when truman signed that order his assistant walked in and said you know you're going to be fulfilling bible prophecy and truman looked at the papers looked at him shook his head yes and a tear ran down his cheek as he signed the order so truman knew as he signed it that he was fulfilling bible prophecy now this leads to the question of well could the prophecy in scripture be self-fulfilling meaning Could the Christians in the world read the prophecies, know what season it is, and then make the prophecies happen themselves? Like, that's a legitimate question, yeah? Yeah? Okay, and and so maybe some of that happens, but what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Did they do that because they read it in Scripture, or did God write it in Scripture because God knew it was going to happen? That's my first thought on that, is it doesn't really matter. God was still true. No matter what man's intentions were, God said it was going to happen, and it happened. But here's the backdoor answer. Not every prophecy fulfilled in Scripture, in fact, most prophecies fulfilled in Scripture are fulfilled not by believers, but by people who would be furious if they knew they were actually fulfilling biblical prophecy. I'll give you an example. Uh, The example is maybe in your lifetime, 1989 to 2002. President Mikhail Gorbachev of Russia fulfilled Bible prophecy and didn't even know he was doing it. Uh, I imagine he wasn't too happy once he found out. But we find that prophecy in Jeremiah 16, verses 14 through 15. It says, Therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall no more be said, The Lord lives who brought, the Lord lives, who brought up the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives, who brought the Lord lives, who brought up the children of, from Israel from the land of the north and from all the lands where He had driven them out. For I will bring them back into their land which I gave to their fathers. So this specific prophecy is saying that God is going to regather the nation of Israel, a lot from the north. All right. So what happened in Nineteen eighty nine. In 1989, Jews came by the thousands from America and Europe to go back into Israel. Uh, however, specifically on that year, President Mikhail Gorbachev opened the Russian borders. Russian Jews had wanted to go back, and he had not opened the borders. However, in that year, he did. And something of 1.1 million Jews left Russia from the north and went back home into Israel, fulfilling the prophecy of Jeremiah 16, 14 through 15. Uh, Joel chapter 3 is a prophecy being fulfilled right now before your very eyes. You can see it in the news. Uh, You can read it in the paper, if you still read the paper. Joel chapter 3 prophesies that there will be worldwide anti-Semitism and the land of Israel will be divided up. I don't need to go into uh, current geography or politics for any of us to understand just what is happening to the land of Israel even even now with the US the EU with NATO uh, with all of the pressures that are going on the land is continuously trying to be divided up and anti-semitism is on the rise significantly by the way Um, all for the place the size of New Jersey that that that's pretty profound I mean, no one's arguing over Wisconsin. Do you know what I mean? No, no, one's, no one's arguing over Arkansas. Why are we arguing over Israel the size of New Jersey? Because it's God's land, and the enemy doesn't want God's people to have it. He wants to break the promise that God established. And God said in his word that Israel was going to be the center of the nation. So listen, I don't care where anyone stands politically, to be honest. But I will always stand on the side of Israel because I know Scripture enough to know that those who stand with and for Israel will be blessed and those who try to divide her land will be cursed. So this isn't a political statement. It's just a prophetic statement. Get on the right side of history because God wants to keep Israel together. And because the Bible is so accurate, we can look at the world around us and not be shocked at what we see. We can look around and, uh, sometimes I'll have questions on what I think is about to come, and I'll take them to Scripture. Um, because Scripture is very clear about what we're headed into as a culture, as a society, as a world. You know, the late, last big prophecy that was established or came to pass was probably in 1948. That was the big final crescendo, the one the church was waiting on. We, everyone knew prior to 1948 that Israel had to be regathered a second time, right? Um, but Jesus couldn't return in 1948 because there were still some things not settled, not, not done. That was, that was a very big prophecy fulfilled, but things that we needed to happen before Jesus could return is we needed culture and technology to get where culture and technology is at right now, actually. We know from Scripture that in the end of days like the end of end of days like the days you're waking up to right now uh, sexual perversion has to be very high i think we're there sexual now, now i know people that were adults in the 60s you thought we were there in the 60s but the 60s couldn't compare it to where we are now we're there right um, sexual perversion another thing that had to happen is corruption of the flesh Um, we've never really seen that until now. The flesh is being corrupted. The thing that God had ordained, even if you look at marriage and male and female, there's corruption of what we call flesh. Like uh, the world doesn't even know what is a male or a female anymore. The enemy has allowed our platforms to corrupt flesh. God has already established in scripture. The reality is it doesn't matter What I think it doesn't even matter what you think it doesn't matter what our experience is it only matters what the Word of God says we are seeing corruption of flesh like never before Uh, we also needed the ability to stream live television worldwide I don't know when that technology came about but we're there Uh, you yourself can stream worldwide on your phone if you hate the sermon right now you could be holding your phone And showing the world how awful this sermon is. Do you know what I mean? Now, why do I say we needed to be able to stream live technology? Because the Bible very clearly says uh, that after the rapture and the two witnesses are here and they're witnessing that they're going to be murdered, the whole world is going to watch them lie dead in the street for days. Right? We're going to see them. Well, I'm not. But the world is going to see them die. And then the world is going to see them resurrect it even says that they're going to send gifts to one another because they're so happy that these two witnesses have been dead but we needed worldwide technology to be able to fulfill that scripture that's going to happen after jesus returns all right we're there we've got that another another cultural thing that we needed is we needed digital banking we needed digital banking to be in place now i don't know when debit cards started I remember when I first thought about getting one, I thought, no, I'll just write a check. Um, my kids don't even know what checks are these days, and, and most kids probably wouldn't even know how to write a check if you had given them one. Uh, but we are there, and you ask, well, why did the world need digital banking? The world needs digital banking because we know that the Antichrist, for those who won't submit to him, for those who won't take the mark of the beast, that is, is coming. It's not here yet. Don't worry, you've not taken it. Uh, but it is, it is coming, and I even believe that society is being set up to program all of us to receive exactly what the man says we need to receive, right? The mark of the beast is coming, and those who won't take the mark of the beast in those days, they will have the power to shut off your banking. They will prevent you from buying and selling. That, that can't happen if we're working on cash, So you kind of read the text and then you see where we're at. We're, we're there. All we really need is for America to fall. We need our economy to collapse and the world will immediately go to a one world banking system. The technology is there and all it would take is some weird event like a mass disappearance of millions of people for the world to say we've got to, we've got to take a census. We've got to figure out what's going on and has it, is it the aliens? We've got to pull in, rain this in. Are you with me? We're there. We're not waiting on anything else uh, to happen. We, we already have a climate for a one world government. That needs to be established for the Antichrist to step in and take over and reign. We're there. My point is there is no prophetic fulfillment needed before Jesus makes his return. And the ones that have been fulfilled already have been... Ref- Fulfilled with 100% accuracy. This is a Bible we can trust, guys. Yeah. I, I know some of us have. I'm going to go a few minutes over today. Is that all right? Yeah. Can I go? Thanks. Thank some of us have the Bible sitting there for a rainy day when we, you know, maybe we don't want to get our fireplace dirty, so we put a fire on the TV, you know, the, the, with the jazz music. And maybe it's drizzly and rainy, so we curl up with oh, Song of Solomon or Psalms or Proverbs. But the Bible is actually more than just easy reading. It, it tells you your future. It tells us what's going to happen in the world. This word will allow you to not stress out when you see the world falling apart. When you see Russia, Iran, and Turkey all conspiring together supporting one another's arsenal of weapons talking about invading i mean what i don't know what's happening tomorrow on the 10th there's some kind of nato ultimatum like could world war three happen this week no because scripture doesn't show it happening yet so you don't need to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow but if you know scripture you can rest in these things if you know scripture, you, you cannot be dismayed when you, everywhere you go around town, you just see examples of sin, 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 sin. And you think, what is this world coming to? And you, you ask your spouse, are, are we living on a different planet? Now, I don't know if that's happened to you. It's happened in our home. Like This is in the past 12 months to two years, our society has significantly deteriorated. But the Bible said that it would. We're actually, there's nothing that we need to worry about. This is not catching God by surprise. And listen, you can can read the Bible, but an inerrant scripture in the hands of an irresponsible reader is going to create an interpretation that's filled with error. The Bible can be perfect all day long. But if you don't know how to read it, you're not getting the benefit from it. Now, I'll tell you, the Bible's not an enigma. It's not like a secret handshake that you got to get into the club to understand it. Um, I'm not trying to tell you it's impossible to understand without, you know, knowing all of those secrets. But it does require some careful consideration and responsible interpretation. And I I think it's time that believers know how to handle the Word of God. Because there actually may come a day soon where there's not a YouTube for you to see what preacher Jimmy Joe Jackson thinks about that verse. There there may not be technology where you can text your pastor or your spiritual mentor or your leader and ask what's coming next. What What does God think about what's going on right now? We as believers need to know how to rightly divide The word of God with careful consideration. Do do you know what the biggest threat to the first century church was? The biggest threat, like the thing that almost took out the first church. When I say the first church, I'm saying Jesus died, went to heaven, rose again, went to heaven, and then here are these disciples and they're building churches. Do you know the number one threat that they faced? I'm sorry? They weren't allowed to gather. No, that wasn't. But I want to make some jokes about that later. Remember, remind me. (laughs) No, it's not about them being able to gather. What? False doctrine. It wasn't the persecution. Like uh, all of the disciples, except for John, died by various means of crucifixion. And persecution was not the biggest threat to the first church. It was false doctrine. It is important for you and I, now listen, if you're new to Jesus and you don't even, you, you thought the book of Job was how to get a job, <laughs> it is okay. I'm not here to make you feel bad at all. I'm here for us to try to challenge one another to grow beyond eating the milk, drinking the milk or eating the you know the mac and cheese that you, you've been getting, relying on on a Sunday morning. The Bible goes deeper than a Sunday morning sermon. It really does. But don't feel any shame if you don't know how to read it. I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you today and next week and the week after. I'm going to give you some very real tools that will help you understand how to read the Word. Listen, it doesn't take a genius to read the Word of God. It doesn't take a superstar to make a big impact on the world for Jesus. Some of you are thinking, well, I'll just leave that for someone else. I'll just, I'll just let my husband take care of that, and he can just kind of tell me what he thinks. Or I'll let my wife take care of that. She's really the world changer, and I'll just let her feed me that information later. No, God is calling you. The church has never been made up of a bunch of special, wonderful, elegant people. It's been made up of people just like you. I'm not saying you're not wonderful. But like you, the Apostle Paul, good grief, who wrote most of the New Testament, do you know the failures that he had? He established a church in Corinth that sucked. It was awful. It was so bad. In fact, in chapter 11, he says, it's actually better if you don't meet. Yeah, God can use you too. And I'm going to help you. All right, before we go, I, want to, I just want to show you, I'm not going to teach you how to read the Bible. I'll do that next week. Next week, I want you to come with your notepads and your pens and your real Bible, not your technology Bible, your real Bible. It makes a difference when studying Scripture. Your phone Bible is, is fine for the 30-day shred. It is fine for, you know, if, if the pastor just wants to say a verse or two in a sermon. But to read the Word of God, you need a physical copy of the Bible. If you don't have one, Cherry bro, will buy you one. Okay, I'm just kidding. We, we even have some extras. I'm sure a lot of people who don't even go here anymore have left their Bibles and are lost and found. We'll put them to good use. Okay, bring your Bible next week. But before, before I let you go, can I just tell you, share with you a few scriptures that are often misinterpreted? Can I give you some of the most misinterpreted scriptures? All right, is that all right? All right, um, this one's kind of fun. Because it comes from a song, an old worship song, a praise song. Songwriters notoriously mistranslate, misinterpret scripture. I think they just sit there and they read the Bible and they're like, oh, well, that would sound good with the melody. You know what I mean? And so we worked really hard at the exchange for all of our songs to be biblically sound. Uh, But there's this one song, you may have heard it. I'm going to read the verse first and see if you recognize it. Joel chapter 2 verse 1, it says blow the trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm in my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming for it is at hand. All right, anyone recognize that song? Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Raise your hand if you, okay, so a few. Oh, we are really showing how old school we are. Raise your hand. Blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound the alarm. Um, And then it says, they rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. It's like people are doing it and trumpets are blowing and everyone's celebrating when we used to do this song. Um, And they're acting like we're going to be overcomers. You know what I mean? Blow the trumpet in Zion. God is good. But this scripture is actually talking about God is about to destroy you. (laughs) Blow the trumpet, sound the alarm. If you don't repent... I'm going to send the enemy to take over your possessions. That's what, that's what the scripture is talking about. You know what I mean? So every time I see the old school people singing that, "Blow the trumpet in Zion, I just imagine them saying, come and kill us, God, we're so happy. We don't care, let us die right now. You know, I mean, that's what the verse is saying, you know? You got to interpret scripture right. Um, Joel chapter 3 verse 10 is another one it says beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears let the weak say i am strong anyone hear that let the weak and we just cry as we sing that let the weak say i am strong what well, that verse you know it's not saying you're weak come on you can do this let the weak say you're strong. It's not saying that at all. That's actually God telling them, Go ahead, say you're strong. I know you're weak. I'm about to kill you. That's what the verse in context is saying. God is saying, Let the weak say they're strong. I'll prove otherwise. Oh, here's a fun one that's always misinterpreted Psalm 50.10. For every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle on a thousand hills. Anybody ever, hey, and by the way, if you've, pray, if you've made these mistakes, it's okay. We have so much grace, you know what I mean? Like, I'll hear sermons all the time that just say things wrong, or, or an offering that says things wrong, or in conversation I'll say, even I'll say things wrong. It's okay, there's grace for that, you know what I mean? I'm just trying to help us want to know better want to know better that verse you know i've said it myself i know uh, as i study scripture more and more i think well that's not what i used to think it meant but i would say god's gonna meet your needs because he owns the cattle on a thousand hills you know that gets a good amen from a crowd right oh you you're struggling you need some provision well i know a god who owns the cattle on a thousand hills I've been misquoting that half my life. Uh, What that verse is really saying, if you zoom out and read more of the scripture, it's saying that God is the judge and he will testify. And he doesn't need your offering. He doesn't need you to think that you can feed him. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he is God all by himself. So keep your little offering to yourself. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because I'm the God of heaven. That's, that's what it is. This is not God being generous saying, don't you worry, son. Papa's up, got the cattle on a thousand heels. No. He was like, I don't need to tell you if I'm hungry. If I'm hungry, I own, I own the whole world. I'll feed myself. And I don't know, that's comforting to know that we worship a God who doesn't need you. Here's another one. Oh, this is going to upset some people. This is one that we often misinterpret. Jeremiah 29, 11. How many of you are scared? Some of you are going to your social media to remove your bio. (laughs) Listen, I I don't want to run some of these for you, but you need to know, you need to know. Um, And here's the thing. A lot of times these scriptures, when we think it means one thing, It's a concept of God who is actually true, and you can prove it elsewhere in the Bible. You just can't prove it with that verse you're trying to use. Does that make sense? But I'm going to help you know the difference and how to to read that. Um, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and a hope. Now, as a standalone promise, it appears that God wants all people to be popular and rich, healthy and powerful. Um, It's almost like God is declaring the American dream over each and every one of us, right? Uh, But in context, what God is saying, he's talking specifically to the people of Israel and he's telling them, I know you're crying out to me for deliverance, but I'm gonna let you stay in captivity another 70 years. In other words, settle in because the bondage you're praying to be broken ain't breaking anytime soon. But trust me, for I know the plans that I have for you. I have plans to give you a hope in the future, but it's going to take a while. Now, that's a great verse when you're suffering, right? When you're suffering and it's not like your get out of jail free card, like many of us try to use Jeremiah 29 11, like God wants more for me. Well, sometimes he just wants us to learn through the captivity. All right, here's another one. You want one more? I know I'm late, but it's all right. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, right? Um, th- this is not something that says whatever comes to your mind, God is going to give you the strength to do, Like right? You know, if you're four foot four, God is probably not going to give you the strength to dunk a basket ball. You know what I mean? May- maybe, maybe, but it may not be from God. It may be from your genes, it may be from your practice. There are probably some things that God is not going to supernaturally empower you to do, right? And I know some of us lie to our kids all the time. And we say, you can be whatever you want to be. That ain't true. It's just not true. I'm sorry. It's not true. Not every child is, can be a brain surgeon. <laughs> what? When we say, I can do all things through God who strengthens me through Christ, if you zoom out and read the context, what it's really saying is, Paul is saying, I can abound and I can be abased. I can be doing good, I can be doing poor. It's the context, really. If we want to get to the nitty gritty of it, it's being poor. You can be poor through Christ who strengthens you. You can suffer through Christ who strengthens you. But that doesn't sell books. Okay, last one and then I'm done. Matthew 18, 20. Where two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst. Anyone ever use it? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Anyone ever heard someone say, where two or more gathered, the Lord is in the midst. Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. We don't have to go to church. There's two of us here. Sit down on the couch. We're going to do church at home. Right? That's not what the verse means. It doesn't even mean if you and I come together and pray over something, that God, the presence of God is there. That's not what it means. It's talking about church discipline. If the leaders of a church need to confront a brother who is in error... They seek counsel, they pray. And God is giving those leaders who are having to do confrontation a guarantee that where two or three of you gather to make things right that are in error, I'll be with you. Context matters. See, that's, that's great news for some of you who are, who are trying to right some wrongs in the world. But we've been misappropriating it as if just you and me can get the presence here. So I'm gonna help you. In the next two weeks, I'm gonna help you learn to read the Word of God. Is that all right? Thank you for letting me go over today. Please stand to your feet. Today we begin the shred. I hope, I hope that you're gonna take the challenge and join us. Father, I thank you for your word. And God, even when we've we've misinterpreted scripture, I just thank you for the heart that is passionate just to even know your word. Even when we say it kind of wrong and all the words aren't right, God, I thank you that there is still within our heart a passion to know you more. God, I ask that you would, in these coming 30 days as we read the Bible cover to cover that you would just illuminate the eyes of our heart to know you more. God, let your word come alive in us. God, help us to be faithful stewards of your word. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen, amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning? Now that you've been the church, go be the church. Take what you received in here and go give it to someone out there. I'll see you next Sunday, 10.30 a.m. or this Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. God bless you. We love you.